This week in KMA Land, Page County Supervisors set jail bond issue vote. Shen Council passes on mayor and council pay raises. Sydney residents debate multi-purpose court proposal. Shenandoah holds Patriots Day ceremony. And South Dakota developments impact IUB pipeline hearing. I'm Mike Peterson. Page County voters are going to the polls in November on a bond issue proposal for a new jail. At its regular meeting Thursday night, the Page County Board of Supervisors unanimously approved a resolution for a referendum on the November 7th general election ballot for a bond issue not to exceed $16.7 million. Plans call for placing the facility, which would hold the jail, sheriff's office, and Page Comp Dispatch Center on a portion of the county farm on the south side of Clarenda, just off of U.S. Highway 71. Greg Wild is with the Samuels Group, the architects who've assisted the county in the jail planning. At a meeting earlier this month, Wild says the county jail committee reduced the facility's proposed footprint by nearly 6,000 square feet to just over 19,700. There were some offices that were removed. Uh, EMA was removed, the salad court was reduced in size, there were hallways reduced. I mean, we did all we could to take more than 20% out of the square footage to reduce, but yet still have a safe and operable facility. Previously, Page County Sheriff Lyle Palmer said the jail would house 37 inmates with the necessary sight and sound separations and could also hold juveniles depending on the individual's needs during each incident. Due to the age and status of the current jail, Palmer adds additional expenditures and liability for transporting and housing inmates elsewhere outweigh any reduced costs due to not housing inmates. Between now and November 7th, Palmer says Samuels Group will build a website with a widget to help residents determine the potential tax impact and also assist in holding town hall meetings in Clarinda, Shenandoah, Essex, and College Springs. As those education efforts begin as soon as possible. And I believe that we can educate the people of Page County on what we're looking at. As far as whether or not this passes, if it comes to a referendum, that's entirely up to the people of Page County. We will do the best we can to educate them on why we need this, what we need in this, and what it's going to cost them off of their parcels, their tax, what the property they own. If the bond issue should pass, Palmer says the facility should be able to serve the county for the next 50 years or more. In other business Thursday, the council approved a resolution of support for Home Base Iowa, a resolution setting a public hearing for September 28th at 6 p.m. to enter into a general obligation solid waste disposal loan agreement and to borrow money for improvements to the Page County landfill. They also approved the Clarinda Kiwanis Club using the Page County Annex Yard for the Southwest Iowa Band Jamboree. Proposals for mayoral and city council members' pay raises came and went without a vote Tuesday evening. Shenandoah City Council took no action on proposed changes to city ordinances regarding mayor and council compensation. Under the proposal, council members' pay would rise from $35 to $70 per meeting, with the $20 per committee meeting eliminated, while the mayor's pay would double from $6,000 to $12,000 a year, spread out over 26 pay periods. Only one person spoke during the public hearing. Stating objections to the proposal, Jim Martin presented information showing Shenandoah's current and proposed mayor and council compensation were higher than other communities equal or bigger in population, including Atlantic, Clarinda, Glenwood, Harlan, Nebraska City, and Red Oak. Martin chastised Mayor Roger McQueen and council members for even considering the proposal, saying it was out of line. I appreciate all the hours and the time that you put in and are away from the comforts of your home and all. 
as you can see all the different salaries there that I just listed after looking this list over I don't know how many of you have done the due diligence that I have and these are calling all the city halls and getting these numbers from them directly and I don't know how you can look yourself in the mirror and have the conscience to go home tonight and say I gave myself a hundred percent increase in wages as proposed and feel good about it what kind of message does this send? Councilman Kim Swank says he agreed with Martin's comment. When I ran for the office and was elected a council member, it wasn't for the money. I wanted to give back to Shenandoah because the city of Shenandoah has given my family and I so much words that can't express that what Shenandoah means to my family and I. I thought being a city council member, I could pay forward what the city has done for my family and myself. I just can't see giving raises. I, that's just my opinion, and I, I just wanted to state that fact. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Wednesday morning, McQueen says it's the council's right not to take action. I was kind of hoping there'd be a little more discussion about it, you know, back and forth. But, uh, you know, we had one uh, citizen came under the public hearing and made a comment. And, uh, you know, the council did what they felt was right. You know, I'm, I support them and their decisions because I don't have a vote. And so it's up to them on this to do that. While saying the pay hike may be proposed again in the future, McQueen adds it won't be within the next few years, or at least through the remainder of his term. By unanimous votes, council members also approved the first reading of other ordinance amendments, then waived the second and third readings and adopted the changes. The amendments include reducing park and recreation board members' terms from six to four years beginning with this year's elections and two changes to the city cemetery ordinances. One increases the price per lot to the Rose Hill Cemetery to $400. Another entailed changes in cemetery transfer fees. While saying owners have a right to transfer lots to another person, City Cemetery Sexton Sherry Gibalisco says some transfers are repetitive. I did have one person, for an example, in the last four years, has changed it nine times. So what happens then is that time that I'm having to spend in the office I'm not trying to discourage someone, but when you get past that third time, you're going to have to think, is this permanent or are you going to continue to change? With the amendment, transfer fees are $10 for the first change, $25 for the second transfer, then further increases for repetitive changes. Council members also voted to take additional action on the issuance of up to $3 million in general obligation capital loan note. Sydney residents were at odds this week over a proposed recreational project in the community. Several residents spoke out during Monday night's Sydney City Council meeting regarding proposed plans for a multi-purpose court. Funding from a potential community development block grant would cover the project at 909 Illinois Street. Discussion followed the council's 3-2 vote earlier in the meeting to remove the agenda item, with Councilwoman Ann Travis proposing a special meeting for the topic. During a public comment period, Sydney Fire Chief Justin Sheldon expressed disappointment in removing the item from the agenda. He also noted the vacant lot, currently owned by the city and the former location of the United Methodist Church, was initially donated to the fire department, but deeded to the city to handle the demolition and eventually expand the fire department's facilities. When you've got something that could be used for infrastructure in the future that you already own, you don't money on it and then go put something else on it that is in a bad location and then you have to go improve that infrastructure later and then you have to buy more property and develop more property for it. That costs you money in the long run. 
Stephen Gamber has been a Sydney Volunteer Fire Department member since 2008. While not against providing updated recreational opportunities, Gamber says the fire department uses the lot for various purposes. We land helicopters on that pad to do training. We do a lot with that location, and you're about to take it away. Do you know that during a high school football game, if we had a major incident and needed mass response, the closest you're going to get to the fire department is probably going to be on the square department for first responders. You're about to take away any possibility of training, parking, or any basic function of the fire department by putting a sports complex there. Canver feels the proposal would be better suited for the city park. Kayla Clark is with the Sydney Park Board. Clark says the property is in the most readily accessible portion of town due to income guidelines for the Iowa Economic Development Authority grant, saying they have a shovel-ready plan. Clark says the lot has been vacant for nearly a decade, but they are just now receiving pushback on their proposal. I've even heard that these people say from my own ears that they would rather see this lot set empty for another eight years than see it turn into a multi-sport court. There are currently no other formal development plans or actions for this property. Are we willing to risk losing a chance for a $1.7 million, million grant for this community because we can't come to an agreement and see eye to eye? Sydney resident Tracy Lovett feels projects like the proposed court could snowball into more significant economic development. Drew LeMaster, a former council member and former member of the Fire Department Building Committee, says it's time for the city to find use for vacant lots, including the one on Illinois, even if it's not used to expand the fire department, as there's been talks of expanding the fire department to the north rather than across the street. No action was taken by the council at that meeting. Monday marked the 22nd anniversary of another day of infamy in American history. Shenandoah High School's Marching Mustangs playing America the Beautiful during noontime Patriots Day ceremonies at Bogart Park in Shenandoah. Band members were not alive that day when hijacked jetliners slammed into the World Trade Center in New York and the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. Another hijacked plane crashed near Shanksville, Pennsylvania, where speakers like Curtis Osborne, grand exalted ruler of Shenandoah's Elks Lodge, the memories of that momentous day in history remain fresh. We remember when the towers fell and lives were lost. We remember the dust and the smoke, the despair and the grief, and remember that sense of vulnerability and shock. We remember the numbness that overwhelmed us as we watched our screens for hours and hours, waiting for an explanation, understanding that never came. We remember. Shenandoah Mayor Roger McQueen remembered how ordinary Americans performed extraordinary acts of heroism on 9-11. Firefighters and police officers rushed into crumbling buildings and raging fires to save others. EMTs, construction workers, colleagues, and strangers tended to the wounded. Passengers and crew members took their lives of fear of another attack. And a generation of women and men answered the call of duty by joining our armed forces to defend our nation and our democracy. These patriots, people of undaunted courage, uncommon resolve, 
and unwavering per perseverance are forever ingrained in our national character. The Queen tells KMA News, Shenandoah and other communities have heroes among us. The police officers, firefighters, and EMTs who often risk their lives in responding to the call of duty. We have police officers that, that go to calls that have no idea anymore who's uh, you know armed or whatever. We have fire department that go into homes that are burning and you know that takes takes a lot of guts but you know it's compassion. You know when you talk to an ambulance driver you know that gets a call. They don't go because they have to. They go because they, you know of what they feel they're fellow human beings and so they're going to get in that ambulance they're going to get you to the hospital in the same way with our others. McQueen and other participants say it's important to continue holding the 9-11 ceremonies each year so that future generations learn and understand that day's tragic events. Developments in nearby states are impacting testimony in the Iowa Utilities Board's continuing pipeline hearing. Michael Rory, vice president of Land and Rights of Way with Summit Carbon Solutions, was among company officials taking the witness stand at the IUB's evidentiary hearing concerning Summit's permit application for the proposed Midwest Express CO2 pipeline. Storm Lake attorney John Murray represents landowners opposed to constructing the pipeline through a 700-mile path across western Iowa. During cross-examination Tuesday morning, Murray quizzed Rory about the South Dakota Public Utility Commission's rejection Monday of a similar application for the project. We know that not only only has North Dakota denied this permit, but now we learned over the weekend, or at least yesterday, that South Dakota has not granted its permit to, to summit, correct? Not yet, yes. And you can affirm that that denial occurred yesterday, correct? It's my understanding. Murray asked Rory how the company knows the South Dakota Commission will eventually approve summit's application. Well, we know what type of traction we've made in South Dakota. We understand the rules tied to that, and we're confident in our ability to obtain a, a permit in South Dakota. As far as what we know, I don't, I don't know that there's any guarantee. Ah, so isn't it possible South Dakota will not grant Summit a permit? Isn't that a possibility? I don't like to think that way, but I guess it's a possibility. Rory acknowledged there's no guarantee North Dakota's PSC will okay the company's amended application. Summit plans to construct pipelines channeling carbon dioxide from participating ethanol plants, including Shenandoah's Green Plains plant, to an underground carbon sequestration unit in North Dakota. Given the application rejections in North and South Dakota, Murray asked Rory whether Summit was building, quote, a pipeline to nowhere. I don't see it that way. I don't think about how things are going in other states as it relates to what we're needing to get done in Iowa. Yes, if we built a pipeline that didn't have a terminus, then I guess that would be a pipeline to nowhere, but that's not the way I see it. The way I see it is certainly the time we're spending this morning is to seek a permit in Iowa and make sure that we accomplish all of the criteria necessary to do so. Testimony is expected to continue through at least September 28th when the IOB's rent of its Fort Dodge venue expires. KMA Land School Districts are working to change policies or implement new ones in the wake of action taken in the Iowa Legislature earlier this year. At its regular meeting late Monday afternoon, the Shenandoah School Board approved the second reading of policies related to bullying, professional development for employees, testing programs, medication self-administration consent forms, and other categories. 
Prior to the vote, Shenandoah School Superintendent Dr. Kerry Nelson outlined the district's implementation of new policies in conjunction with laws passed in the 2023 session covering such areas as library and instructional materials disclosure and procedures for parents to challenge or remove questionable materials. Nelson discussed the process of adapting the district's policies on KMA's Morning Line program Tuesday morning. We have been spending a pretty large amount of time looking at what the new code requirements are, crafting policies, um, looking at what the Iowa School Board Association has put out for recommended policies and studying those as a board. Nelson says the district is working to list library materials on the district's website. Currently, our entire library is posted online. It has been for several years, and people can go in and you know see what's in the library and at the K-8 building and at the 912 level and so I was showing them on the website where that is and what that looks like. While saying the district has yet to receive challenges to library or course materials, the superintendent says it's up to instructors to use good judgment on the materials put before students. Also this week, two new old faces joined the Shenandoah School District at a short special electronic meeting Wednesday afternoon. The board approved the contract of Lindsay Roberts as May Mentoring Coordinator. A Farragut native, Roberts comes to Shenandoah from South Dakota. Shenandoah School Superintendent Dr. Carrie Nelson told KMA News Roberts brings a passion for mentoring to the table. She has a lot of energy and passion about mentoring, has been involved in foster care mentoring programs and then some adult education programs as well and has a lot of belief and passion about working with with youth that I think will help carry the tradition of May mentoring forward in a positive direction. Robert succeeds Kim Leiniger, who served as the program's coordinator since its inception 23 years ago. Board members also approved the contract of Brian Manley as the district's new food service director. Clarinda officials want to wait a couple more weeks before deciding whether to allow veterans banners to hang on the Clarinda Boulevard. Colleen Strong, representing the Veterans Banners Program in Clarinda, asked the Clarinda City Council Wednesday night for permission to fly veterans banners on the light poles along Clarinda Boulevard, encompassing 18th Street, Willow Street, Lincoln Street, and 13th Street from Memorial Day through Veterans Day. Strong says families or loved ones could purchase a two-foot by three-foot banner to display a picture of the veteran, their branch of service, and any special designation. We have estimates of approximately $75, which would include the brackets for hanging. We want to keep the costs as low as possible so that they will be affordable. We'd like to be able to promote this in the community as either a boulevard of veterans or an avenue of veterans. It would not be only for deceased personnel, but should include any service member. A veteran is a veteran. While saying he supports the idea of hanging banners to honor area veterans, Clarinda Mayor Craig Hill expressed concerns over using the lampposts on the boulevard due to their historical significance. The lights and the boulevard itself, you know, it's part of our history. It was the original plaque of our city, and uh, we've done a lot as a city and to try to maintain the historic value of that. It hasn't changed in the hundreds of years that we've been here, and uh, we have replaced them as we needed to, uh, updated the, the electrical and the lamps and the poles, and tried to maintain that image. More discussion is expected at the next regular council meeting later this month. That wraps up This Week in KMA Land. Be 
listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to kmaland.com where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.